What does success look like to you? How do you define it? Have you ever thought about what success really means? Tune in for this episode, which is all about the definition of success and how creating one that aligns with who you are will progress your business forward so much faster. This is the Self-Sabotage to Success podcast and I am your host, Lucy Orton. I'm the anti-self-sabotage coach and a success and transformation expert. I love all things positive psychology and I transform female, purpose-led entrepreneurs from self-sabotaging, procrastinating, imposter syndrome suffering, but extremely talented business owners into the most empowered CEOs who recognize and own their talent and who move away from self-sabotage into rock-solid self-belief, supercharged confidence and amazing business success. The Self-Sabotage to Success podcast was created to help women just like you step into your awesome because we need your voice in the world right now more than ever. And I am incredibly grateful to have you here. If you enjoy this episode and the rest of the Self-Sabotage to Success archives, then I'd love to hear from you. You can book a Self-Sabotage breakthrough call by using the link in the show notes. And you can also help the positive messages of this podcast reach even more purpose-led entrepreneurs by leaving me a five-star rating, or even better, a review on Apple Podcasts. I am so touched by every message and every review I receive, so thank you. And thank you specifically this week to a wonderful review that I received from Agro Golfer. And I would love to read this review to you today because it made me feel extremely happy And I wanted to share with you some of the things that AgroGolfer, hello if you're out there, touched on in his review. So he called his review Nuggets of Chocolate, aka Ideas, which I loved from the get-go because who doesn't want to be compared to chocolate? Who doesn't want their podcast that is their pride and joy to be compared to chocolate? Well, I am certainly very happy with that comparison. And his review was as follows. I know Lucy focuses on female leaders, CEOs, etc. But the knowledge and advice can benefit everyone. I'm a man who thoroughly enjoys listening to this podcast and finding ways to apply it to myself. There's always one or two nuggets of ore ideas and it reminds me of finding a small piece of chocolate in the fridge you had forgotten about. Hence the title of the review. I'm not sure if Lucy coaches men been a bit shy to ask, but I'd like a session if she does because I'm a self-saboteur, black belt, master ninja. So thank you, AgroGolfer, for a fantastic review. You have a way with words and it was great to read it. It's also brilliant to hopefully chat to you now on air and to say, of course, I coach men. My niche and my focus for these episodes is female purpose-led entrepreneurs, as I've said. But I know that I have many listeners who are men. I talk to them too. The content that I'm working on is so relevant to the human condition. It is absolutely not 
not meant just for women. So AgroGolfer, I cannot get in contact with you because I don't have an email address for you. Unfortunately, Apple Podcasts doesn't reveal such information. But if you would like to get into contact with me, either send me an email, lucy at lucyorton.com or click on the link in the show notes and book in for a self-sabotage breakthrough call and let's get chatting. And that goes for anyone else out there who has that desire to get in touch, but they don't necessarily fit into my exact niche that I talk about in every podcast episode. I have many clients and I have worked with an array of clients in my time from all walks of life. So I am always open to talking to people who feel they may not quite fit the pen portrait that I might be giving you in some of these episodes by the nature of how podcasts work and how I wanted to have very focused content. But I am always open to a conversation and I'm always open to helping anyone really push through self-sabotage. So if you've been enjoying these podcast episodes, there is a high chance I can help you. Give me a call. And until then, AgriGolfer, thank you so much for the message and enjoy today's episode. Thank you so much for being here for today's episode. I am excited about the content today because it gets to the heart of one of the major concerns my clients talk to me about. And they might not come to me and say, I've got a problem in this area exactly. But we often manage to unearth it when we dig a little deeper. And the topic I'm going to be discussing today on the show is how we define success and also how the way we define success impacts us. It impacts our lives and it absolutely impacts our business and the progress we are able to make within it. Now, success is a big area and in future episodes, I'm going to be talking about fear of success. That's not something I'm going to dwell on too much in today's episode, but do keep your eyes peeled for future self-sabotage to success episodes, which are going to deal with other elements of success. Today, I'm mostly concerned with how we define success, where that definition has come from, and how in some cases we really need to challenge some of those ideas that we have carried around for years or maybe even decades about what success looks like, and most importantly, what it can look like to us. So in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about, first of all, that traditionalist view of success and what that is all about and also how that is quite harmful often and can lead to other mindset related issues that I've talked about in previous episodes. So that will be a bit of an analysis of where we are at the moment with those traditional definitions of success. Then I'm going to be moving across into talking about why we as purpose-led business owners need to challenge those traditional views. If you haven't begun breaking those traditional views of success down already, I really encourage you to ponder on it. And my hope is that this episode is going to give you lots of fodder to begin that wonderment, to begin that exploration and to begin maybe unpicking and challenging some of the ideas you might be holding about success. 
So the third part of today's episode is going to be about how we can approach in a very mindset healthy way our personal view of success. How can we define success in a way that is going to allow us to live the most fulfilled and empowered life and make the most impact as a purpose-led business owner? How are we going to be able to marry those two things together? And I think there's a huge link between those two things, of course, as you know, they're absolutely intertwined. But what is it particularly about our definition of success that can lead us to breakthroughs in our lives and in our businesses? So let's begin with this very traditional view of success. And success really is a very structured in many of our minds societal construct. It is pinned to all manner of things that we see culturally, we see in films, we read in books, we see in magazines and in social media. And it's often got this Hollywood edge to it, this image of perfection, of achievement beyond achievement, of material prowess and trappings, of the big house in the country, the fancy car or cars, the wonderful holidays, and the just almost fairy tale like existence that we imagine is the pinnacle of success. It's also often linked to ideas of hustle and busyness and striving and pushing. A sense that to be successful, we have to be also working ourselves into the ground, pushing ourselves forward and really being that archetypal successful person that we've been basing our ideas on for so long. There's also a huge part in that traditional view of success that is around what everyone else perceives as success. And it's a very external view, the traditional view of success. It's that there are obvious checkpoints and obvious things that we need to have done. Maybe it's the university we attended. Maybe it's the profession or the job title. Maybe it's the promotion or the facts and figures of our bank balance. So it's all about those stats, those external measures and those references that we feel we can hang the the hat of success upon. And more widely, this absolutely extrapolates to the wider society. So countries measure themselves and measure their success in a similar way. They look at the GDP, they look at the output, they look at the productivity of the country, they look at these external demonstrations of success. And you might not be surprised to know that I absolutely challenge this. I am far more interested in an internal, on on an individual level, view of success. And actually, on a societal view of success, I'm also interested in a very internal, well-being focused view of success. And I will talk about that in a little bit more detail later. But that is my view of the traditional idea of success. And it might sound extreme, it might sound very two-dimensional, but I do honestly think that so many people have never analysed or questioned so many of the ideas about success that this viewpoint 
is still really valid in the minds of so many. And in one of my previous episodes, it may well have been last week's episode on people-pleasing, check that out if you haven't already, it's a really good one, I talked about Glennon Doyle's use of the word memos. And she talks about memos in terms of what edicts we feel that we're given as women, as humans, as business owners, as workers, as parents that we have to follow. And I think that that idea, the idea of a success memo, is really strong in our minds, especially as most of my clients are, and I'm sure many of my listeners are too, when people are talented, they're driven, they have a mission and a passion for their work. That idea of traditional success even when we think we're on the way to challenging it, can be very pervasive. So that brings me to the second part of the episode, which is why do we need to challenge this? Why am I asking you as purpose-led business owners to challenge this idea and to challenge this narrow, traditional, material-based view of success? Well, first and foremost, because we can. Because we get to choose, we get to make the rules, and we get to also realise that the rule book that we may have followed, those memos that I just discussed, maybe we could rip them up. Maybe we can let that go. And we can move to a place where we follow something which is far more internal, far more about how we feel, and something which feels authentic to us when we're considering what success looks like in our lives and in our businesses. And this can be a revelation to business owners when they suddenly realise, and it often times in with this journey of entrepreneurship, being a business owner and self-employment, when we realise we get to choose. We don't have to fit our business lives into the rulebook of our old corporate lives, into the rulebook of anything really that's come before us. We get to define our own work on our own terms. And another reason this is so crucial and why I'm so passionate about it is because as purpose-led business owners, together and apart, we get to change the world. We get to challenge things. We get to reconsider how things are put together for our own benefit and the knock-on effect that that has on the people around us that we're modelling to, the other business owners that might come up behind us because they're inspired by what we do. And for example, we can see that this is happening in some countries around the world. We can see that when one country starts to challenge these ideas of success as being economic or statistically based and instead looks at a more well-being approach to general happiness. So we have like a general happiness index in some countries and it's really fascinating and it really looks at happiness in a different way to just measuring the GDP of a country and how kind of much output it's spewing out. So when countries are able to put a line in the sand and say no more actually, I'm going to consider this based on well-being, we're going to consider this based on well-being, you can start to see real shifts around the world. And I really believe that the same is true on an individual level for business owners. As we start to challenge and question and build a world which is more suited to humans rather than machines or huge corporations, we can absolutely make those differences on a 
wider scale. So I totally believe that. I believe that the power within our hands as entrepreneurs is bigger than our work alone. Next, I really implore purpose-led business owners to challenge this because I want you designing your business around your life and not the other way around. And when we stick too closely to these traditional societal views of success and we don't have the intention around what that looks like to us, what that feels like to us, how that inspires us, then we can end up in a place where we don't have a business that is designed around us. And instead, we are chasing our tail in a business that is not feeling aligned or feeling out of integrity with our deepest desires and our dreams and our values. So that's really, really key. And another area that's hugely important in terms of challenging the definition of success is around the area of our boundaries and our non-negotiables. And sometimes it can feel strange to say that's part of success, but I absolutely think by ring fencing those parts of our lives, whether they're business or not, whether they're related to our work or whether they're related to our free time, whether they're related to our charitable activities, it's all just as valid. And we get to make those decisions. We get to choose what it is we want to say yes to, what we want to say no to, how we put those boundaries in place, and how we keep those non-negotiables front and centre when we're considering what success looks like. So that might mean that we're creating, for example, a pricing structure within our business that means we get to prioritise time spent doing non-business activities. That might mean that we delegate certain elements of our work so that we focus on the stuff which is absolutely in our zone of genius. And there are many other ways that we can uphold these boundaries and keep these non-negotiables in check. I will be doing another episode as well all about boundaries because that's a whole connected but, you know, bigger topic. And I'll be talking about that soon. And on that note, if boundaries is something that you are really struggling with in your business, if it's a major self-sabotaging behaviour, or if any of the topics that I discuss in the podcast really hit home for you as a business owner, it might be time for you to book in for one of my self-sabotage breakthrough calls, which you can do by clicking the link in the show notes as ever, or going to calendly.com forward slash Lucy Orton. I would love to dig into your particular issues with boundaries or any other of the mindset gremlins that I love to work with clients to push past and eradicate really from your day-to-day business life. So, This brings me to the final third of today's episode, and that's all about the approach you can take. How do you do this? How do you challenge and change your personal view of success and make it one which is so much more internal, so much more you-focused, and which ignores all of the noise of the societal construct of traditional success? And I think I summarise this approach by saying you want to create a life and a business that is fully lived, that is not holding back, you're not holding yourself or your business back in any way because you're trying to fit yourself into a shape that doesn't suit you, you're trying to push your business into the space of a business that wasn't designed by you. And instead, you're always starting from 
who you are, what you want, what is important to you and what your intentions are. And that might be very, very different from those external trappings of a job title or a bank balance or a big house in the country with a car. Instead, it might be some combination of your physical well-being, your mental well-being, your mindset, job or work that you absolutely love, the right amount of money, which might be a huge amount, more than you're earning now, or it might be the same, or it might be something else entirely, but one which is defined by you. It might also include, and I would highly suggest it does, being such an advocate for self-care, a good amount of free time, of time away from your work, which is even more important when you're like us, when you're that purpose-led business owner who loves what you do, who could talk about it all night in a pub. But you also need to have those boundaries to give yourself time and space away from your business so that you can keep creating that success and so that you can keep living a life which feels successful to you rather than feeling held back or feeling like so many people do that, hang on, why don't I feel good? Why don't I feel successful? Why doesn't this feel right? I've ticked all the boxes. I've done everything right and yet something doesn't click. Something doesn't make me feel like I've got the life I've designed, like I'm living that dream of having impactful work with feeling happy within myself. A concept that I think is wonderful, and I recommend that you look at it if you haven't already, is the Japanese concept of ikigai. Now, ikigai is that absolute sweet spot between the work that we do and how it makes us feel and how it allows us to show up in the world. So Ikigai, and I will put a link in the show notes to a nice diagram so that you can have a look at what I mean by this because you really need to see the diagram. It's very visual. Even as a podcast lover, this is quite a visual concept to explain. But it's four concentric circles and in the middle lives Ikigai. In the top circle, we have what you love. In the next circle down, we have what the world needs. At the bottom, bottom circle, we have what you can be paid for. And in the next final concentric circle to the side and up a bit, (laughs) I'm really explaining this very spatially unhelpfully, so do click on the link, we have what you are good at. And then each of these circles interacts with another one and gives you one element of how you might feel about your work. So for example, if your work is something you love and something you're good at, in the Ikigai model, that is known as your passion. If it is something you love and it's what the world really needs, that is mission. If your work is what the world needs and what you can be paid for, that is vocation. And if it's something you're good at and you can be paid for it, that is profession. But if you're able to tick off every single one of those points, so you love your work, the world needs it, you can be paid for it, and you're good at it, then that will give you this concept of ikigai, which is that real sense of happiness and purpose in what you're doing. The actual Japanese translation for ikigai is a reason for being. And while 
Success doesn't just have to be about a reason for being. I absolutely love this definition and I think it's really wonderful to bear in mind and for me personally and for clients that I work with, it's fantastic when you can see that your work is in that sweet spot and it really is so much more enjoyable to me than some kind of flashy car or some kind of external validation from a company to know that I can actually be in my purpose and have that reason for being is to me the pinnacle of success. And as I said in the previous parts of this podcast, many other parts of well-being, of physical health, of boundaries and non-negotiables can go into your ideal success. But at the heart of it, this ikigai is a brilliant starting point. I think as well, something that's really important to remember about success is that it's absolutely authentic to you and that you get to define it. And I know that I said that earlier when I was saying about getting rid of that rule book, but really recognizing that you can define your own success is a game changer for so many business owners. And it really can help you push yourself forward faster because you're in alignment with what you're doing. And when we move away from an idea of success that is about the judgment of others, which is about something external to us, something that's been kind of dropped on us from on high, and instead create this very internal, flexible measure, we can feel absolutely on fire with what what it is we're trying to achieve both for ourselves and for our business. So I highly recommend creating your own definition of success, whether that's written or whether that's something you sit and think about after this podcast episode, because it really can be something to hang your hat on and recognize and pull yourself back to when you're designing your life, you're designing your working day, when you're saying yes to clients or no to other types of work. I highly recommend pondering on what success means to you and really creating that vision so that your every decision afterwards feeds into that definition. Now, before I tie up this episode, I am going to attempt a second go in the same episode of talking you through something quite visual, but I really think you will enjoy it. And again, I will pop in the show notes a link to exactly what it is I'm describing because I absolutely love it. And I discovered it years ago. It's on a blog or a website called zenpencils.com. And it's this fantastic cartoonist who has recreated the designed the style of Bill Watterson, who created Calvin and Hobbes. So the artist behind this blog, this website, which I will link to, has created this wonderful comic strip. And I'm going to read out the wording from the comic strip, but to get the whole feel of it, it would be great if you could look at the website that I'll link in the show notes. But you don't need to. So the wording is this. I love this so much that I've actually had a three-part print made of this because it's a very awkward shape and it lives above the piano in my house. So the words are as follows. Creating a life that reflects your values and satisfies your soul is a rare achievement. In a culture that relentlessly promotes avarice and excess as the good life, a person happy doing his own work is usually considered an eccentric, if not a subversive. Ambition is only understood if it's to rise to the top of some imaginary ladder of success. 
Someone who takes an undemanding job because it affords him the time to pursue other interests and activities is considered a flake. A person who abandons a career in order to stay home and raise children is considered not to be living up to his potential, as if a job title and salary are the sole measure of human worth. You'll be told in a hundred ways, some subtle and some not, to keep climbing and never be satisfied with where you are, who you are and what you're doing. There are a million ways to sell yourself out and I guarantee you'll hear about them. To invent your own life's meaning is not easy, but it's still allowed and I think you'll be happier for the trouble. And those words are from Bill Watterson himself and I think they are so powerful. I will leave you there for today's episode. I hope you have enjoyed it. I hope you are enjoying your work. I hope you are defining your success already. And if you're not, I hope that this episode has given you some impetus to look at those success KPIs within your business and see how you can tweak things so that success is something that is authentic and personal and meaningful to you and your life wishing you all a fantastic week ahead i will be back here same time next week for another episode of the self-sabotage to success podcast until then take care and i'll speak to you soon bye bye